Father, I just thank you for just these moments where we can turn our hearts unto you. I thank you for uh, your word, Lord, that is living and active. I pray that today, Lord, as we hear it, that our hearts would be reawakened to hope again, Lord. I thank you for the season of Christmas, the reminder of the story of the God who sent his son, Jesus, to do what we could never do. And uh, Father, I pray today, I pray that you would comfort the brokenhearted, Lord. I pray that you'd stir those who feel like they're comfortable. And uh, Father, I thank you that in many moments, uh, just like these as the church, you'd remind us that we loved and known by you. I thank you that your promise still stands today. And in Jesus' name we pray. And everyone who believes it together would say, amen and amen. Can we appreciate our worship team this morning? It's good to worship together. And uh, thank you so much. Uh, take it, why don't you take a seat? It's good to have you with us. I want to welcome a couple of friends. Uh, I see Ryan and Jacqueline and family there. I see friends uh, from all the way from Benoni. Uh, anyone here for the first time, visiting for the first time? Just raise your hand very quickly. Give you a warm welcome. Let's welcome our visitors and friends. Good to have you with us. Uh, it's the 10.30 service, and uh, we had a great 8.30 service, and uh, I really feel like we're into the season of Christmas. Who's excited about Christmas? As, as, as Kath said earlier, we've just, suddenly our aircons have come into play, and uh, the last two days on the North Coast has been really hot. If you've been on holiday, you have the best weather. No wind. You back on the beach, can smell the salt. I love this time of the year because the mowers come out, you know, that freshly mowed grass. And there's a sense that Christmas is coming. And uh, with Christmas, there's a lot of red, painted in red. And uh, I'm reminded of a story, you know, uh, it says there are four stages to every man's life in connection with Father Christmas. The first stage is he believes in Father Christmas. The second stage is he doesn't believe in Father Christmas. The third stage that he, he is Father Christmas. And the fourth and final stage is he starts to look like Father Christmas. Don't look down the aisle now. Don't look down. But, but that's, but, but, you know, and it's starting to look a lot like Christmas. And so... Whether your granddad's starting to look like Father Christmas, I don't know. That's up for interpretation. But I do know that it's starting to look a lot like Christmas. And it reminds me when I grew up, uh, my dad, he, he loved the color red. Now that I look back, he loved the color red. He bought a secondhand uh, microbus, VW microbus. It was red. But the thing that stood out for me is it had four sunroofs. And I think the previous owner put four sunroofs in because you remember the old microbuses, they had the engine in the back. In fact, you had a sunroof because you're also getting a sauna at the same time. My brothers at the back, they're slightly more tanned than I am because they sat at the back. And, and he, had a, he bought a red VW microbus. And then he bought a red Asuzu Bucky. Who remembers the old Samurai Bucky's, Asuzu's? Okay, just me. Anyway, so we'll talk to these people over here. You remember the Asuzu's? There we go. And were, it was red. And then, because we do things in threes, my dad bought a, a red Yamaha XT200. And, uh, you know, I grew up learning to ride on this XT200. And the problem is when I was in standard three, I don't know, I don't know what grade that is, but I was weighing it at about 38 kilos. And uh, to start it, I had to put the stand up and then get on the XT. And I used to stand there and, and it's like, oh, da, 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 you know. And it's nice when you, when you kickstart. After about three times, you start to get a bit tired. And then usually on the fifth or sixth time, that XT, you know, the little stand would come up and hit you back on the shin. You're like, mm, you know, you, do, you cringe a bit like this. And then, and then I'd shout in exasperation to my dad. And I'd say, Dad, the bike won't start again. Emphasis on again. And I'd hear my dad's voice uh, from the inside of the house. He'd say, Mark, have you put the choke on? 
And you know, like, remember that old Cremora advert, you know, where the husband's at the fridge and he's like looking and he's like, where's the Cremora? You know, it's not inside, it's on top. And I'd go like, oh, come on, start again. Mm, the choke. And I'd reach down and I'd find the little button, the choke. And I'd open the choke up and then I'd and it'd come, come into, into life. And I feel like at the back end of the year, I don't know what it's like like you, but 2021 has been one of those years, you know, where you've been kicking, you, you're kicking and you're kicking and it feels like there's no ignition. You're coming into the back end of the year, and to be honest, I mean, look, we're putting on a brave face, and we're going like, ooh, are we talking about unspeakable joy? Please tell me where this joy comes from, because I need some of that joy, and I really feel like, God, I had an earthly father that gave me some direction. What if today a heavenly father would give me some direction and find a choke? Because when I find the choke, he puts a little bit of fuel on the spark plug, and he ignites something in our hearts again. Maybe you've arrived today, and you're feeling, I'm empty. I'm tired. I've got no energy. But God, I need something. And I know this because I know this because I know this. Because the story of Christmas is the story of divinity that touches our humanity, that takes us to higher ground. And where there's higher ground, there's unspeakable joy. The story of Christmas, a God who sent His Son. He wasn't reliant on circumstance. He wasn't reliant on what was going around. He said, no, it's coming, it's coming, it's coming, it's coming. It was promised for centuries and centuries and centuries. The word Messiah means promised deliverer. And if we read the story in Luke, we're going to read it now. You know, there's some frustration. There's a sense that as we read the Christmas story, we can stare at it from a distance. You can even be in church and look at the Christmas story. You can read it. You've been to Sunday school. You've done it and done it and done it. I've heard the story about the shepherds and the kings. and the, I've heard about Mary and Joseph. But God, really what I want is I want to go a little bit deeper this year. Because God, what if, what if it is, wasn't about what Christmas does for us, but rather why it's so important for our lives? Because when we get a hold of the why, it'll change us from the inside out unspeakable joy. When divinity touches our humanity, broken, no energy, coming into Christmas, woo, baba, bengtela uksiza, I got nothing left, I need your help. When divinity touches our humanity, it takes us to higher ground. And where there's higher ground, there's greater clarity. Where there's higher ground, there's unspeakable joy. Who wants joy this morning? Tap your neighbor and say, I'm ready. I'm ready to go. Okay, let's go. Luke chapter two. It's a scripture we're gonna be reading in the series, Unspeakable Joy. Uh, Dill opened up last week and um, just love this thought and we're reading through the scripture and it's gonna anchor at us in the next couple of weeks as we lead to Christmas. And um, hey, I'm excited about the Christmas services, aren't you? Why don't you invite a friend to this Christmas service? You know, we've got it two, 6 p.m., and 8.30 a.m., what do I love to tell people? If, you, if you're a church, if you, if you call this place home, choose a service and invite your family. Fill it up. Let's fill this place up. I know we don't know what we don't know. We don't know what it looked like in a couple of weeks. Things can change. But hey, from now, from my standpoint, let's invite our friends and family. It's going to be an amazing time to celebrate together. We're reading together Luke chapter 2. Let's read it together. And it says this, And there were shepherds, say shepherds, living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. Just stop there for a moment. Shepherds are out in the field by night. Now, I don't know about you, but normally shepherds don't... Aren't, in, aren't out in the fields, they're normally in the fold at night. At night is when you've got the predators out, the wolves and the cats and everything else. And why is it that Luke would write that the shepherds were out in the fields and not the fold? Because it would make sense if you were a shepherd, you would put your, that which you protected would be in the fold. And I think Luke, when he writes, he writes, he's a medical doctor, he writes with great detail, but I think he was showcasing what Jesus, the true shepherd, would come to do. You see, these were shepherds that would meet the true shepherd. What would the true shepherd do? The true shepherd would leave heaven's fold and come to earth's field for you and I. 
The true shepherd said, I don't care about the wolves and the enemy and, and the devil and what he brings. No, 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 I'm gonna leave heaven's fold and come down to you and I and find ourselves in our field. Aren't we grateful for a God that left the fold of heaven that came down to our field, the field of education, the field of marriage, the field of family, the field of sports and hobbies, wherever your field might be, I'm so grateful for a God who left heaven's fold and came to earth's field. This is the true shepherd that we worship today. And the shepherds were in the field by night. And it says, an angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were terrified. So would you and I be. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. What's the, what's, what's the good news? The good news is that there's a Messiah that's come, the promised deliverer. There's a Lord. His name, not only is Jesus a savior, but he's also God. I think the Christmas story, we, we're reminded of this promised deliverer, but we can also be reminded of a, of, of a God that's coming to deliver us in the end. God who's coming to wrap up history, a God who, who loves us and knows us, a God who knows the beginning from the end. Verse 12, he says, this will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. 13, suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace to those whom his favor rests. I love that. There's this, there's this connection between glory to God in the highest heaven and then there's on earth peace to those. Do you see that? Heaven, earth. Do you see that? Divinity, our humanity. Divinity, humanity. What happens when heaven intercepts with earth? We get peace and we get favor. We get higher ground. When divinity touches our humanity, the invitation is to walk in higher ground, which is unspeakable joy, where we have God's peace and his favor that rests upon our lives. Amen? Amen. In verse 15, it says, When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened. Say thing. This thing that had happened, which the Lord has told us about. So verse 16, they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. And when they'd seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told about them, this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things, say things, and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. This is the word of God. Luke chapter two, the story of Christmas. And what I wanted to say today, the title of my message, if you're taking notes, is simply this, higher ground, higher ground. When the gospel takes hold in our hearts, what it does is it gives us greater clarity. It changes the way we think. We're no longer conformed by the patterns of this world. We've been transformed by the renewing of your mind. How does that happen? When we when we, when we read God's word and God begins to change us from the inside out. God invites you and I, and it's the story of Christmas, that when his divinity touched our humanity, the invitation is to go where we haven't gone before. The scriptures tell us that we will go from glory to glory. Now, I know it's hard to see when you look at the person next to you, sitting next to you, when it feels like they haven't gone glory to glory, but I know because I know that if we look over our lives, God's grace is sufficient, and he's the one, like Paul said, I'm confident of this, that he who began a good work in me will bring it to completion. In other words, I'm on a trajectory from glory to glory. And everyone said, thank you, Jesus. Amen. This is our Christmas story. But I wanted to start with this or come speak around this topic because I think higher ground is, um, it's romantic in its thought and it's, you know, it's, everyone wants to walk on higher ground. 
But higher ground is not a climbing up to altitude. A higher ground is an aptitude of heart. You see, the gospel is not, I'm gonna get everything perfect on the outside. The gospel is it starts inside. As C.S. Lewis said, we all want peace on the outside, but peace starts on the inside. We all want joy on the outside, but joy starts here on the inside. But sociologists have told us that the one thing that saps us of our joy or stops us from getting into higher ground, especially in this time of the year, is not financial stress, it's not health stress. The one thing that holds us back from walking in higher ground are the relationships and the people that we have around us. You know, I don't know about you, but 2021 has been one of those years where you just wanna kickstart and it feels like you're trying a whole lot and it feels like that thing that comes and kicks you back in the shin is some of the people that you have around you sometimes. It's those friendships. It's that person that cuts you off in traffic. It's that person when you arrive at Woolworths and you just want that last chicken, but the lady says, no, that's mine. Or you come and you're looking for presents for your children and you walk to the place and they got six of them. And they say, sorry, these have all been bought already. It's that, it's that frustration we have in our hearts. To be honest, it's been one of those years, disappointment after disappointment. We could lock down, then we not lock down, then we can watch sport, we can't watch sport. Then we can go here and we can't go here. And you know what it's like? It's been one of those years. Then we were looted and we we're like, woo, baba, luto. You know, it's been one of those years in, in, in this country and in 2021, it feels like there's a frustration in our hearts. And to be honest, a lot of the stress we carry is around relationships. We can choose our friends but not our family. And sometimes the greatest tension we have is in those close relationships. And if I think about the shepherds, can you imagine them? You know what they said? They said, the angel came. Can you imagine angel comes? Angel says, no, there's a savior, a promised deliverer, a Messiah that's gonna be born. And you know what they say? Let's go and see this thing. I know, I sense a bit of frustration, the shepherds. You know, because the shepherds had their sheep and they were like, we're watching them and we want the wolves to eat and now we're gonna leave our sheep. The very thing we put our financial, our, our things and we're le- leaving our sheep and we're gonna go and see this guy, this thing. He doesn't call them the Messiah, he says this thing. I think the shepherds were a little bit grumpy. I think they might've been in 2021, feel a bit like you. What about Mary and Joseph? You know, Mary and Joseph, I was saying earlier, I think Mary met Joseph at a youth camp. Sent, her, sent Mary a WhatsApp, got blue, two blue ticks back. I've never seen anyone like Mary. She's beautiful. I met Mary one night in Nazareth. And, woo, and Joseph was just, hey, he was like, he was walking out his chest out. He's like, oh, I'm in love. Do you remember the day you first fell in love? Okay, just me. So you remember that moment and you would spend hours on the phone. I think Mary and Joseph were just WhatsApping each other. And, bah, 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 bah. Lots of abbreviations and woo. And isn't it good to be alive in Bethlehem and zero? Anyway, so I think, and then it moved on from like a little WhatsApp to like a connection, a coffee there. Maybe they had coffee at a little coffee place in Nazareth and Joseph was like, oh, and they started to talk about their future and they were like, oh, we're gonna have three kids, two boys, one girl. We're gonna live in the outskirts of Bethlehem. I'm a carpenter. Ooh, I'm gonna start my business. I'm gonna trip in here. Mary, she's gonna stay at home and cook cakes and make coffee and ooh, happy, happy, happily ever after. This is joy. Oh, no, 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 no. Then the angel arrived. He said, no, Mary, listen, uh, no, Joseph's not gonna be the father of your firstborn son. In fact, it's gonna be Jesus. Oh, can you imagine Joseph? Can you imagine Joseph when he arrived in Bethlehem and he's like, we've come back to register. God, and now God, you said you're gonna give her a son, but then you give her a son, but then you don't even make room for us. Surely you give us the Hilton Hotel. Surely you give us a doctor. Now you put us in a stable. Do you sense the frustration? Imagine, I think maybe Joseph was a little bit offended. 
I think the shepherds were offended. God, you asked me to leave my sheep to go and see that thing. I wonder if that feels like your end of the year. And you know, someone said it so beautifully. He said, we're living in the age of perpetual offense. Where in today's culture, it's all about hey, quick to judge, quick to condemn, quick to make an assumption, quick to say, oh, you did this, so I'm gonna judge you by your actions, not your intentions. So actually, you know what? I'm gonna write you off. Quick to say, I'm right and you're wrong. Quick to really get upset about something very quickly. It's been one of those years where we've been disappointed. We're quick, we're quick, we're quick, we're quick. But here's the thing I've noticed about offense is that, you know what? We never win when we live offended. And you know what also? If you look to be offended, you'll always find it. Isn't that true? If, if you look, to, if you look to, to be very negative, you're always gonna find something to be negative of. If you, if, you, if you look to be angry, you'll always find something to be angry of. If you look for the weather to always be off, you always look for that cloud in the sky. Look, it's overcast. It's raining again on the north coast. I just hate it here. We'll always look for something negative. But you know what? We don't win when we live like that. I've never heard anyone say, you know what? My life is so much more productive now that I've been really peed off. We don't. No one ever says, you know, the quality of my life has just gone like this since I've been really, really negative and offended. No one ever wants to live like that. But here's the thing. You see, Jesus came to his disciples in Luke chapter 17. He brought them around. He said, hey guys, look at me, look at me, look at me, look at me. You're gonna be offended. You, if you live, unless you're gonna live in a little igloo in northern, northern, I don't know where it is, Greenland, and you isolate yourself, you will never be offended. But if you really wanna live life, Guess what, friends, look at me now because Christmas is coming and you can get around that family and Uncle Jimmy's coming who you didn't want to come, but he's coming. And then that auntie over there that you didn't think was coming, he's coming. And she's gonna say, you wanted Christmas cake, but he's gonna give you ham instead. And guess what you're gonna do? You're gonna get offended. And you're gonna go to the beach and you had the normal spot on the beach, but now some guy from GP is gonna take your spot. Guess what you're gonna do? You're gonna get offended. We're gonna live, there's gonna be times in our lives we always get offended. Listen, listen, just listen for a moment. Being offended is inevitable. But living offended is a choice. Living offended is a choice this Christmas. You can either be, you, yes, we're all gonna get offended, but living it is a choice we gotta make. You see, if I had to put a point into my first part of the sermon, we have a common problem, all of us. Even Jesus was offended, but he didn't choose to live being offended. Even Paul, the apostle, was offended. Someone fell asleep when he was preaching. He must have felt offended, like I'm a failure. I was preaching my heart out. <laughs> Paul who went to, to, to the heavens, Paul who was in jail, Paul who wrote two thirds of the New Testament, even he got offended, but he didn't choose to live offended. But I wanna say to all of us here today, you're gonna be offended coming into Christmas, not just in this season, all the way into 2022 and ad finitum, for infinity. I, like, I said it earlier, Muhammad Ali, you know, the boxer, Cassius Clay. He tells the story, he gets in the airplane, the air hostess says, Muhammad Ali, put your seatbelt on. He says, Superman doesn't put seatbelts on. So the air hostess looked at him and says, no, Superman doesn't fly airplanes either. Put your seatbelt on. And I think sometimes we, 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 inevitably that happens to us. We've got a common problem. But then the second thing I wanna to say today, and I wanna to read Romans chapter 12, because Paul, the apostle writes, and actually in the NRV, it gives a title to it. It says Christian behavior. Now, when we read this, this is what I love about it. It's easy to read, but very hard to live. It's hard to live, but that's why it's higher ground. 
And sometimes we think we're going to force our way into higher ground, but actually there's a secret to how to live in higher ground. And the Apostle Paul, I'm going to read it now. And what I love about this is he gives us a new view, a new perspective. You see, this series really, Unspeakable Joy, is to see Christmas in a new light. It's to see it like we've never seen it before. Because just perhaps, you see, I don't know what I don't know, and often what I don't know hurts me. But when my heart gets opened by the Holy Spirit, and I begin to see truth, what God does is He begins to work on the inside, and He shows me something I haven't seen before. You know why? Because when I'm loved by God, and His Spirit is inside me, I get access to the mind of Christ. And I think like He thinks, because I think often that God thinks like I think, but He doesn't, because He says, my ways are higher than your ways, and my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. And so what the Bible offers us is, come with me, come with me, come with me. Put my Holy Spirit in you. Give you the mind of Christ so that you walk in high ground. You ready to go? Romans chapter 12, let's read it together. It says this. It says, uh, what does it say? Let me find it. It says, bless those who persecute you. Oh, you just stop right there. Bless and do not curse. Verse 15, rejoice with those who rejoice. You see, rejoice. I love that. There's joy there. You know, joy, to rejoice is the action of joy. It's a choice. It's a choice to rejoice. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Live in harmony even in the mall. Uh, live in harmony even when on the beach when they take your spot. Live in harmony when the surfer jumps your wave. You know what I'm saying? Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. Verse 18, if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Now, the first thing he says is bless those who persecute you. Now, what he's saying is that is like bless those who insult you, bless those who overlook you, bless those who are short with you, bless those who jump in the queue in front of you, bless those who when you get to F&B and there's 40 in the queue, the guy just goes to the front. Bless those who persecute you. Now, I don't know about you, but I find that difficult because I wanna bless those who are gracious to me. I wanna bless those who've been kind to me. I wanna bless those people that look like me, smell like me, do things like me. I like to bless those people, but to bless those people that are continual problem in life, I find very difficult. Anyone agree with me? Bless, you know what the word bless means? In Greek, it means eulogos, means eulogy. It's the root word from eulogy. It's where you, it's a, it's a, you means good and logos is word. Speak a good word over someone. And what, what Paul, the apostle Paul is saying, yeah, I want you to speak a good word over someone that's a problem to you. Yes, Baba. A good word over someone that's probably, and you know what he says? He says in the present imperative, that's how it's written. It means I don't just bless someone one time and go, oh, there we go. No, no, no. It's to continue. It's to con keep doing it. In other words, it's to be a continual blessing over a continual problem. Now, I don't know about you, but I find it pretty hard to be a continual blessing over someone who's a continual problem. Anybody here got someone right now that's difficult in their life now, experiencing problems? Don't put your hand up because they're probably sitting next to you. But, but you know what? Anyone finding it difficult to love someone at the moment? But you see Paul saying, no, no, that person be a continual blessing over a continual problem. You know, I remember I was telling the story. I remember coming back from the Transcar once. Uh, Jamo and Gracie were really young. They were nauseous, not feeling well. We were on our way back from a holiday. Our axle went on our trailer. It took 
eight, nine hours. I was outside of Mshanga. We were driving back home, and we're driving like this, and this white Suzu came past us. I don't know why I got a Suzu's on my brain today, but anyway, white Suzu came past and cut us off in the traffic on the, on the highway. So there's just black smoke coming out the back of this Isuzu, and I remember just thinking, oh, that's okay. And we went past him, and I was thinking, continual blessing over continual problem. <laughs> anyway, he came past me again, cut me off again, and then cut me off again three times before we reached the toll. You know the toll at Tongat? And you know the toll at Tongat, you narrow a lane, you choose your lane as you're about to come in. As I'm choosing my lane to come in, guess who would intercept me just as I got into that lane? The white Isuzu. I stopped my car, got out, ran towards the white Isuzu. <laughs> This was a long time ago. I ran towards, I ran towards the white Isuzu. I got there like this. And, I, and you know, the lady in the toll booth there, she just started, oh, 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 oh. and I got there like this. And I just turned the Isuzu, I put my hand and turned the Isuzu off and I pulled the keys out. And I found myself saying these words, this is a citizen's arrest. Can I see your driver's license, please? And then, you know, when you have those moments where you go like, oh my gosh, what am I doing? Have you ever seen the Matrix when it just goes zzzz, and you just zone out like this? So then I, I, I went like a zzzz, I zoned out and I looked at my, my family who were in the car and they were like wide-eyed, like they're just going, oh my gosh. And then I looked, zzzz, and looked at the lady in the toll road and she was like panicked, wide-eyed. And then I looked at the guy I was talking to and he was panicked and wide-eyed. And then I thought, oh my gosh, what am I doing? I've been offended. But Paul says... Bless those who are continual problem in your life. Now, I don't know about you because maybe I'm talking to just maybe one or two people that are real here today. But I don't know about you, but there's this thing inside of me when someone comes speeding past you, you're hoping that there's a traffic cop around the corner that arrests him. And then when you drive past, you put your window and go, you reap what you sow. You know, you're like, oh, take it, take it, take it. We, we wanna do that, don't we? Is there anyone here? I'll just talk to these guys here because they look like they get angry. These guys are all good here. You find, I bless those who persecute me. <laughs> you just like, I love, love, love. No, 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 no. We all get upset. We find in ourselves, we're like, oh, how am I gonna deal with this? I gotta ask Paul, Paul, like I wish I had a window into his heart. Paul, Paul, tell me how do I do that? Because we can't. And you know what? We're right, we can't. We can't do it on our own strength. It was never about what we could muster up. You know, I'm, I'm reminded of Galatians 2 because how, Paul, how, does, how do we do that? Do you know what Paul does? He says, come back to me with Romans 12. That's what we read from. Come back to the beginning. Romans 12, verse 1. You know what it says? It says these words. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Did you see that? How do we do it, Paul? We need a view of God's mercy. Has God not been kind to you? Has God not forgiven you? Has God not been gracious to you? Has God not taken care of your past? Has God not stooped down and said, I'm gonna give you grace before truth? Has God not done that in your life? In light of that, Paul says, I want you to live as a living sacrifice. You see, I think the remedy is in recognizing that God did what we could never do. It's to see the mercy of Jesus Christ. What is the mercy of God? It's Him on the cross for you and I. It's the promised deliverer. It's the Messiah. It's what the shepherd said, the angel said to the shepherd, come and see the one who is the Messiah, the Lord. The story of Christmas is not us trying to get it, oh, you know, like we feel like, hey, let's get in the fold. Hey, we're the perfect guys. We're gonna, oh, get in the fold. Everything's protected, beautiful circumstance. Ice creams on Christmas day, turkey and ham. Ha la la la, pull the crackers. Oh, 
my perfect family, give me an Instagram shot. Look at us, we're amazing. You know, that's not Christmas. Christmas is these real broken relationships that we're dealing with uncomfortable people and we're walking around and it's hot and it's whatever, but there's uncertain circumstances. But you know what? That doesn't mean I can't have joy because what God gives us is supernatural and it's not dependent upon your circumstance, whether you had a good year or a bad year, whether you're up or down, because when the Holy Spirit comes, He fills you from the beginning and inside and He says, get me another view of what I've done for you again. I need a view of God's mercy. When I see His mercy, It changes me from the inside out because I didn't deserve it. Yet look what he's done for me. Do you want to develop joy in your life? Recognize how much you've been saved from. You know what you've been saved from? It's like, let's say I left home and we left our home to some friends and we went away for a month and I heard about this friend that had paid a bill for me. And he paid a bill while I was away? He said, yeah, he did. What would be my response to that? Well, it depends on how much he paid. Imagine I asked my friend, I said, how much did you pay? He said, no, well, I paid because there were some SARS amounts that you had outstanding. In fact, the SARS amount that you had outstanding was worth more than your house, but I paid the bill. Can you imagine your response? Friends, our financial debt and our health debt are small in comparison to the sin debt that God paid for you and I. And it doesn't matter where you get, where you're from, that means that I've been saved from so much. You know what that does inside of me? It puts joy in my heart. That's nothing the world could offer me. It's something that I take hold of because God did it for me. Oh, I need a view. Give me a view of God's mercy again. I need to see Him again, see Him on the cross, see what He did for me, that I may walk free. Bless those who persecute you. And you know what I love in Galatians, and I I think one of the things that helps us is in Galatians 2, it says, Paul says, I've been crucified with the flesh. It's no longer I that live, but it's Christ who lives in me and through me. You see that? That's living sacrifice. He says, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. There's one man that offered his life living sacrifice. It was Jesus. He said, I'm going to the cross. I'm gonna go and choose to die. I'm living, but I'll sacrifice my life. Paul says that you and I are called to do that. How do we do that? We crucify the flesh because when I was crucified with Christ, my old self, my selfish desires have been crucified. It's no longer Mark that lives, but it's Christ that lives through me. That's the only way I can love other people. That's the only way I can extend grace. That's the only way that I can live in this world. It's Christ in me, the hope of glory. Amen? Look what Jesus has done. Not only did he die for you, not only has he crucified our old self, he's given me a new me, but it's him living in me. You have Christ living in you. I don't know about you, but that makes me wanna dance. That makes me wanna celebrate Christmas like never before. That's unspeakable joy. I have Christ living in me. I know some days we have bad days and good days, but you know what? It's not dependent upon that because that's my flesh. I don't live by the flesh, I live by the spirit. Christ in me, the hope of glory. And he goes on to say, do not be proud or conceited. And I was thinking about that. Do not be proud or conceited. Do not be proud or conceited. I think in the moment in today's world, we've got a lot of people that, that like to be right. You know, you know, right, you know, you read the parenting book. Now you are right on parenting. You've read the nutrition book and the one seminar you did. Now you are a nutrition guru. I'm right. And you wrong. 
You know what it's like? I'm a Christian. I know the Bible. I can quote four scriptures. I'm right and you're wrong, Uncle Jimmy. You know what it's like? Right, right. There's the spirit of being right in the moment of the world. It's cancel everybody else. I'm right, you're wrong. I'm right, you're wrong. I'm right, you this. I'm right, you. I'm right, I'm right, I'm right. You know what Jesus says to the right people? The world will not know us by whether we're right or not. The world will know us by how much we love people. The world will never know about how much correct you are. That's irrelevant. What's relevant is how much we love people. Love. It's love that makes the world go round. This Christmas, it's not bringing out how correct we are. You know, we watch two YouTube videos about the vaccine and now we're experts. Everyone's a science expert now. I never realized there's so many scientific experts in the room. Everyone knows everything about the vaccine and what does this and what does that. We're all right. We're not right. We're going to be loving. You know what love does? Love keeps no record of wrong. Love doesn't just respond to tell you how right you are. Love says, I'm going to respond to listen. Love says, I seek to understand. I want to hear my friend's story. I want to hear their perspective. I want to hear what they, you know why? Because we're living in higher ground. Because as Christians, we're better than that. We live in a different world. We're not of this world where we just bite each other and devour each other. No, we live in another world. We live in the world of love. Not in the world of accusation, but the world of love. And where there's love, there is building up. Where there's love, there's hope. Where there's love, there's joy. Where there's love, there's peace. Where there's love, there's God himself because God is love. Faith, hope, and love, which the greatest is love. We don't repay people with what they do. We walk in love. Do not be conceited. Do not be proud. And then he says, if it is possible, if it is possible, I love that. If it is possible, you know, I think it's such grace because we can't control other people. But as far as it depends upon you, oh, that's so empowering. Suddenly he zones and Paul goes, ooh, no, this is about you. You see, sometimes we think, you know, reconciliation is about two people. No, re- forgiveness just requires one. Sometimes reconciliation is, we think it's two people have to come. No, no, no. But to say sorry, just one person can do that. As far as it depends upon you, live in peace with everyone. Who's everyone? The person you haven't spoken to for a long time. The person that let you down many years ago. That family member that you haven't spoken to for a long time now. And you know, you know, you know, because you know. And you're waiting for them to do something. But God came to remind you this morning, as far as it depends upon you. You. To reconcile, you to show love, you to bless, to speak a good word over those who persecute you. Gosh, give us a new view, God. Give us a new view. We've got a common problem. Being offended is inevitable, but living offended is a choice. We've been given a new view. God showed us how to live, but we can't do it on our own. It's Christ in me. It helps me love people. It's Christ in me that says, I'm gonna go and say sorry. And the last one I wanna close with this is to make a good choice. We've got a common problem. God gives us a new view as we go into Christmas. And the last one is a good choice. You see, the gospel always allows us to make a decision for ourselves. Love never forces something on you. It shows us what it is and then says, would you make a choice? Would you make a choice this Christmas? Would it be like it's never been before? Then it relies on our choice. We can choose it. And the last one I wanna say is make a good choice around joy. Choose joy. Choose joy this Christmas. 
Now, I know, and I want to make this really practical because I know, like, we live in the world of acronyms and short abbreviations. You know, like WTF, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. <laughs> Where's the faith? You know, I don't know. And then, and then there's the TBH, like, to be honest. We often use that, to be honest, a little text. Uh, LOL, lots of love, laugh out loud. I don't know. I just want to leave a simple acronym with you. And I pray that as you go, this wouldn't be something you just learn about or see in Christmas, but we would live by this. Because God wants us to live with a joy. Do you know that in Psalm 16, it says this, in His presence is the fullness of joy. Do you know what that means? The very thing that flows from the Trinity, from the Father, the Son, and the Spirit, do you know what flows from Him? Joy. The old biblical scholars used to say gaiety. We use words like awesome, kif. Lacquer. We try and give descriptions to what it means to feel joy. We find it hard to find words which describe it. We don't go like, rejoice, rejoice. No, we don't, we don't use those words. We go like, it was awesome. What we're trying to do is put words to what we're feeling because it's a heart word. But what flows from God's heart predominantly is joy. God has come to give you joy. Sometimes we just need to remind our hearts that. Walk with a spring in your step. Shoulders back because you've been forgiven of much, but you have Christ in you, the hope of glory. He gives you joy. So how? I wanna write this down. Simple acronym. You can take this home and remember it. Nice and simple. Guess what it says? Simply that. Joy, it's the acronym. It's the higher ground. When we live like this and we live with God in our hearts and Jesus takes hold, we're gonna live with this. We're gonna live with joy. Joy is not something that happens to us. The world will offer us circumstances, but what joy gives us is Christ in our hearts. It starts from the inside out. Can anybody guess what J would stand for? Maybe it's keep up with the Joneses. Maybe joy is like, hey, the Joneses. If I can keep up with the Joneses, then I'm gonna find some joy. If I have the Christmas crackers and I, hey, Joneses, I'm gonna keep up with the Joneses. No, that's not joy. Maybe it's the Nike slogan, just do it. Yeah, Michael Jackson, feed it, feed it. Just, just do it. Just do it. If I just do it, if I pray harder, if I come to church more times, if I, if I just do it, then I'll find joy. If I just go to the gym, I'll find joy. If I just read my Bible, I'll find joy. No, that's not it. Anyone tell me what J stands for? Yeah, there we go. There we go. Is someone paying attention in the front row here? Jesus, it's nice and simple. But you know what? Sometimes we get it mixed up. We put ourselves first here. Let me find joy for myself. But you know, true joy is found in the proximity we come to Jesus. You know, Paul said in Philippians 4, he said, rejoice in the Lord, rejoice in the Lord always. I say it again, rejoice in Him. Why? Because the Lord is in hand. You know what? Our proximity to Jesus is where we get real joy. When Jesus came to the church of Revelation, the church of Laodicea, they were lukewarm. And what was the solution for lukewarm? You know what lukewarm means? Basically, it means I've been sapped of my joy. I've got no more joy. What, is it, what, is it, what does it do? What, what did he say to them? You know what the solution was? Don't jump higher, read your Bible more. No, he offered him his voice. He said, I wanna come in and eat, eat with you. He offered him fellowship. In other words, true joy is found in the fellowship of Jesus. When we get close to him, everything changes. When we get close to him, we can find joy in uncertain circumstances. We can find joy in a lockdown in 2021 with no one there on your own. We can find joy where we never thought we could. Why? Because Jesus, when we get close to him, everything changes. And then this is, the second one, others. Oof, this is where it gets a bit difficult because we know the others in our life. It's hard to love some of the others in our lives. But you know what? 
Sometimes the offense we have in our lives is the very thing that makes us stronger. Sometimes the things that people have done to us are actually the very things that have caused us to rise higher and go to higher ground. Because we weren't gonna sit back, we're gonna dig. Our faith was exposed and brought into the light. And you know what happened? We grew. But you know what others is too? We need some others around us. Others to encourage us. Others to lift us up. Others to breathe life into our hearts. You, you, with Jesus and you got others, you begin to find joy. You know what, sometimes we, we sometimes end it there. We just call, we draw a big line here and we say, well, that's what basically the gospel is. I'm gonna love Jesus and love others. And then don't worry about me. Woe is me, I'm gonna walk around and be that humble little guy. I'm just gonna sit back. You know what, no one loves me, but I love other people and I love God. But that wasn't the whole gospel. You know what the end of joy is? It's simply this. Yourself. You cannot love others until you love yourself. And God loves you. And he wants to remind you this Christmas that in order to have joy, it's gonna start with Jesus. It's gonna be in others. That family that you haven't chosen, but they're around your table, but you're gonna love them. And the last one is yourself. He wants to remind you this Christmas that you are loved, you are known. He doesn't say self, it says yourself. In other words, your temperament, your character, your personality, God loves you. He loves you for who you are. You might be a bit quirky. You might jump up and down. You might dance with a limp. You might sing loud in the shower. You might have your own little Indianisms or whatever you do, but God loves you. You know, sometimes the hardest people to love are ourselves. We love everybody else, but I wanna tell you and challenge you today that God loves you. And when you love yourself, you will love others. Amen? Why don't you stand with me? I wanna just close this morning. Just as we close, I'm reminded of a story. Ernest Hemingway told this story. He said there was a father and a son that had a disagreement. Lived in Spain, Madrid, and uh, son's name was Paco. And uh, the father was right. Son had been rebellious. He just kept on making the same mistakes. And the father's right in his assumption what had happened. And if you'd asked the wife or the mum, she would have said, no, the dad was right. But the son still disagreed and he ran from home. And he went, left home and he went for a month. And then it went six months. And then it got to about a year that his son had been missing and his heart, the father's heart was broken. He wanted to reconcile himself with his son. And he had an idea. He thought, what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna write a letter. I'm gonna put it on the main notice board in the middle of Madrid. And he wrote these words. He said, dear Paco, I miss you so much. I love you. All is forgiven. Please come home. Love, Dad. And right at the bottom, he said, meet me at the town square at 12 o'clock on Sunday. 12 o'clock on Sunday came and Dad arrived in the square and he got to see Paco for the first time. But he didn't just meet Paco. He met another 150 young men by the name of Paco. And you come to realize at Christmas that many people are looking for reconciliation. Not to just be known, but to be really loved. I don't know what you're going on in your life right now, but I know that one of the things that saps us of our joy is people and relationships. But in the same way, the very thing that gives us life are people and relationships. And in the middle is me and Jesus. And Jesus today says, bless those who persecute you. Love them. Don't repay evil for evil. As far as it depends upon you, 
live at peace with everyone. Let's pray. Father, I just thank you for this morning, Lord. I thank you for just your presence here, Lord. I thank you, Father, that in your presence is the fullness of joy. I thank you that you're a kind, heavenly Father that nudges our hearts and reminds us. Reminds us of the story of Christmas. Reminds us of this invitation to draw near to you. I thank you, Lord, that the world offers would never fill what we need in our hearts. But I thank you in a moment like today, God, you would remind us again of your love for us. That we would be able to view your mercy again. And in essence, make a good choice to choose to follow you and live in joy. And I pray today, Lord, where there's been hurt in relationships, I pray for reconciliation, Father. I pray for your peace to be in every family and every home here. And I thank you, Father, that when we read the story again of Christmas, we can be reminded again of, the, of a divinity that touches our humanity, but leads us into higher ground, high ground and unspeakable joy. And so, Father, I pray that your spirit would fill every heart in Jesus' name. Amen and amen.